This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Wow, that's powerful. Man, it is so good to have you back. We are excited what God is doing. Man, I just wanna once again say what Pastor Christian said. What a great just a celebration and what God has done as kingdom builders here at home and around the world. One more time, thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Pastor Christian didn't mention it, but we raised, I believe it was over uh, 13,000, close to $14,000 for the missionary kids, the BGMC coin offering. And uh, this year it was a little bit different, but thank you for your your faithfulness. Well, we're in a new series and we're uh, talking about the names of God, AKA. We're looking at the different ways that God has chosen to reveal himself. He's chosen to reveal himself by different names that we're looking at in scripture. These different names of God help us to understand the nature of God, the essence of God, the character of God, but it especially helps us to understand who God is, no matter what season that we're walking through, no matter where we're at in the, in the seasons of our life, God has revealed that he is with us in those seasons. And today we're gonna to talk about uh, a very uh, famous scripture, Psalms 23. So if you'll take your Bible and turn over there with me, and we're gonna see Jehovah Rohi. We're gonna be looking at the Lord is my my shepherd. Now, I want to just tell you ahead of time, this message has so many nuggets, and and, uh, the Lord just really uh, has laid it heavy on my heart today, and I believe that there is a word of encouragement for every single one of us. So Psalms 23 is where we're going to go. Take your Bibles, click over there in your devices, download the notes. Father, as we open your word today, I pray that the anointed word of God will speak to our heart will speak to our lives. I pray that through your word today, you'll reveal yourself, illuminate God, so that we can, we can understand that you are our shepherd. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen and amen. For those that are watching online, thank you for joining us. Let me know right now where you're watching from. I'd love uh, to see that. And uh, we just thank you that you're a part of our uh, audience and our service uh, today. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd, the one that looks after the sheep. You know, if you've watched any of these uh, uh, superhero Marvel movies uh, from Spider-Man to Superman to Flash or whichever latest one you're watching, there's always a scene where they're rescuing somebody. And as they're rescuing someone, that person is grateful. And yet at the same time, there's a moment of terror or fear of, of are they going to be dropped or is something going to happen? I remember watching an episode of Spider-Man where he rescues a young lady and he's, you know, zipping through the air with her and, you know, that little, you know, shooting from his wrist kind of thing. And, and, and he looks at her and she's a little frightened. He says, what's wrong? And she goes, I'm afraid you're going to drop me. And, and he says, would I have rescued you to drop you? Well, the reality for you and I is we have a good shepherd. And if he can save us, I'm here to tell you today, he won't drop you. 
He's got you. And today we're going to look at the good shepherd. The problem for many followers of Christ, though, is that they believe that the Lord can save them, but they forget that the Lord is with them. They believe that the Lord can forgive them of their sins, and yet they feel like they're walking through life all alone. That they're going through the journey of life and God is unaware or uninvolved in their life. Well, in Psalm 23, David is going to help us to understand that he is Jehovah-Rohi, the good shepherd. And there's so much uh, analogy and illumination that comes out of it. This could be, I'm, uh, I, I could preach eight, ten weeks on this passage we're going to look at today. And so I'm not going to go too long, but I want you to hang in because there's some nuggets that David reveals. If you ever go with us to Israel, we will go to the very mountain where David would have been tending the sheep, the shepherd's field, it is called. It's on the outskirts of Jerusalem there in Israel and across the mountain range, there's the valley. That would have been David's area where he would have been tending the sheep. Across the way, you would see Bethlehem. We go to Bethlehem and when you're up there, we will read Psalm 23 and we'll talk about this moment where David would have been thinking about the sheep that he tended for so many years. He's, he's uh, remembering back as a shepherd and how he would care for the sheep and he's likening it to God is our good shepherd and he remembers how God would, would uh, well, how he would take care of the sheep and, and he would care for them and protect them and that is how God is for you and I. And so today we're going to look at this and we're going to see that the the Lord is our good shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. He's personal for you and I, and he is the source that we can rely on for everything in our life. Can I hear an amen? In fact, this passage starts at the Lord is, it's in the present tense, the Lord is my shepherd. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I want you to say it loud for those that are in the building, but put emphasis on the verb is. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is a personal God, my personal shepherd. I love it when God ministers to us in a group. I love it when there's prophetic words and words of inspiration. But the reality for you today is the Lord is your shepherd. He knows your situation. He knows your needs. He knows where you're at. He knows you personally. It's for me. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will lack nothing. Why? Because he has covered all my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. Paul says the same thing to the church over in Philippi. Now, the reason I refer to Paul for a moment is because the church in Philippi was going through a very difficult time. There was many things happening. In fact, as I reflected on it, I just thought, wow, man, as a pastor going through what they were going through, uh, uh, Paul's gonna give them some answers to how do you walk in peace? How do you maintain peace? But the church was undergoing persecution. They were quarreling. There was carnality in the church. There was false doctrine and teaching that was rising up. They were struggling in the necessities of life. And Paul says this, don't worry about anything. Say it with me. Don't worry about 
anything. How do you maintain peace in your life? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. Well, if we're going to, if we're going to understand that the Lord is my shepherd, we're going to have to go uh, and understand a little deeper into what David was reflecting on and thinking about. Now, first of all, remember, he is a shepherd. Few of us have been around sheep. Few of us understand the, 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 the analogy and the metaphor that would be taking place here. But there's a few things about sheep that we, first of all, need to understand. First is that sheep are not very smart. Sheep will follow and go. They will do. I mean, one sheep can begin to walk in a circle and another one will begin to follow that one in a circle. And then before you know it, the whole herd is following one another in a circle and they don't even know that they're going nowhere. They're just walking in a circle. They're not very smart. Well, I've come to learn that I'm not very smart. We're not very smart. We can find ourselves going in circles with no purpose, no direction in life. We're waking up, doing the same thing, going to church, praying, but we're just going in a circle. The reality is David is looking and he's reflecting on the sheep that he was caring for. Sheep are defenseless. I mean, they don't have a mechanism to, uh, in their makeup to fight off the enemy. They're easy prey for the enemy. They can't fight back. And so many times we find ourselves fighting a spiritual battle that we don't even understand that we're fighting and we don't know how to fight back. A third thing about uh, sheep is they're very dependent. The shepherd must guide them and lead them anywhere, everywhere they're going. The sheep must be led. They've got to follow where the shepherd is leading. Well, David says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. In verse one, he kind of gives the overview. It's the big idea. But then in verse two and down, that's where we get practical, he begins to break down the summary sentence and statement of verse one. And so in verse two, he takes us and he goes a little further and he says, he makes me to what? Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. What David is saying is, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rohi is the source of everything. Write it down. The source of everything I will need. Jehovah has it. He, he can meet it. He understands what I'm going through and he's right there with me. About a week ago, I had a flat tire. Actually, last Sunday morning on the way to church, my, uh, my, my gauge told me that my tire was going flat, right? Uh, if you got one of those little tire balancing gauges and uh, I have a Ford Explorer and it was showing me that my tire was going flat. So after the service, I went out, it was about half flat. So I decided I was going to try to make it to the gas station. Now, how many of you would have done what I did? Try to make it to the gas station. Only about uh, 20 of you rose your, raised your hand. My wife would have called the tow truck and and they would have came out. They, that's probably the smart way to do it. They would have come out, fixed it right there. But I was going to make it to the gas station. Anybody else would have joined me. Come on. 
come on, all right, now, now we're getting there. And um, so I'm on my way uh, down to Firestone, I think is where I went on 441. And as I'm going, I, I feel my car, it's, it's, it, it's, going, it, it's going down. Actually, I was hoping some of you were gonna come along and save me right about then because I felt my tire going flat. The air was going out. Well, what David is saying is for some of us, we don't understand it, but there is air that's going out of your soul, out of who you are, your being. You're losing your spiritual fire and the essence of what God wants within you. There is no spiritual get up and go. You're losing your spiritual life. And so he says, he makes me, he makes me. Sometimes God leads us in the situations that he has ordained so that we can feed our soul and we can get our spiritual fire back and we can begin to understand once again who he is and what he wants to do in our lives and we quit trying to depend on ourselves, but we turn to him. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. Remember when you had little ones, those of you that have little ones, you can reflect back. We had three boys and, and uh, I remember trying to put them down for bed, right? I, I remember trying to put them down for a nap. I had one I could not keep in the bed. Have you ever had one like that? You, you couldn't keep them in the bed. I'm not gonna tell you which one he was, but I couldn't keep him in the bed. I could threaten him, I could spank him, I could do all cut. Now that was back in the day you could spank him and not lose them, right? <laughs> I remember one of my sons, we were in Austria, and they told him in Austria it was against the law for their parents, which was true, for their parents to spank them. He came home at night and he said, Dad, you can't spank me, it's against the law. And I said, son, in Austria, that's true, but we are 30 minutes from the Hungarian border. And if I have to, son, I'll put you in the car. I'll drive you across that border. <laughs> and I guarantee you, we won't make that trip again. <laughs> well, I'd try to put this boy in the bed and he would get up, he would cry, he would argue, he didn't want to. I mean, he had every reason why he didn't have to go to bed. He didn't realize what he needed, but I knew what he needed. We knew as parents what he needed. God says he makes us to lie down because there's something that's got to be restored in the soul. And so he leads us into green pastures and he leads us to quiet waters. He leads us to a place where we get dependent on him again. Now, what's the point, pastor? The point is, let's be honest, we lead ourselves. Let's be honest. We, we're, we're going on our own way. We're doing our own thing. And we forget that God is there and he's involved in our life. If you know anything about sheep, sheep don't uh, uh, stirred up. And the reason is, is because of the wool. If they get out in the water and they stumble, they lose their balance and they fall over, their wool coat will get wet and the weight of the, the wool will pull them down and actually drown them because they don't have the ability to get back up. And so the shepherd will take them to still water. In fact, as a shepherd of the church, I know that when the waters are getting rough, the sheep begin to sometimes spiritually begin to try to understand what God is doing. And David is saying that in the rough waters of life, 
You got to hear me. He is our source and he will lead us and we've got to depend on it. We've got to trust it. We got to keep our eye on it because he wants to restore our soul. Now, a couple things about your soul I want you to be under, I want you to be aware of and I want you to understand. You see, your soul, your soul is that part of you, it's the part of me that thinks, it's the part of me that makes choices, and it's the part of me that feels, it's my emotions. And what many people don't understand, especially Christ followers, is what damages the soul. What is it that damages your soul? And I've come to learn as a pastor for many years now that the number one thing that will damage your soul is grudges that we hold on to in our life. When we get angry, when resentment builds up, when we get offended, we're living in a time and an age that makes us feel like we should be offended about something and we look for what should offend us. And there's anger and there's resentment and grudges begin to build up. Even within the body of Christ, there's divisions that can begin to take place. And what I've understood is that grudges damages the soul. If I'm holding on to an offense and if I let anger and resentment build up within me, that grudge begins to build up and now it begins to block me hearing from God. It brings me to a place where I'm, 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 I'm not... I'm not at peace within my soul and I can't do what God wants me to do and it hinders me from being what God has planned and purposed in my life. Look at this scripture here. In this scripture of Job 5.2, to worry yourself to death with what resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Job 18, a few chapters later, verse four, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Your grudges and offense and resentment and anger, that will damage your soul and what God wants to do. And today I pray that you will release it to him and and you will begin to say, God, whatever the pain, whatever the anger, whatever the frustration, whatever the offense is, God, help me to release it. Because as you release it, you're letting something go out of your soul. You're pulling out the poison. You're pulling out the thing that binds you and and imprisons you, and you're releasing it. Someone not long ago came, and and they said, I I have this in my life, in my heart, and, and I've got this resentment. Well, I didn't even know they had that. I didn't even know that they were dealing with that. And that's what happens In the New Testament, it says that our anger and our bitterness and our resentment and our unforgiveness, it actually handcuffs us and binds us. Another thing that damages your soul is not only the grudges that we hold on to, but it's the guilt that we carry. What do you mean, pastor, guilt? Well, guilt comes because of unconfessed sin. Guilt comes because we open up doors in our life. We, we, we step into actions and, and we begin to rebel against God and go our own way. And when we do, we begin to carry a weight on us. And it's the weight of guilt. And it comes primarily because of unconfessed sin. You see, God made a way for you to release that. And it's to recognize the sin, to recognize when you've rebelled and you've turned away from God. And the moment you confess it and you repent of it, As you do, God's mercy and grace begins to flow into your life. Look what David says in Psalm 38. David, 
the same author that we're reading in Psalm 23, he says, my guilt has what overwhelmed me, underline it, underwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Being a pastor for so many years now, I watch how sin goes unrepented, unconfessed, and because of it, that guilt eats away. It weighs down. David says, it overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And I'm bowed down and I'm brought low all day long and I go about in mourning. What damages your soul is not only the grudges of your life, but it's the guilt that you may carry. What's the antidote? Well, the antidote for grudges, the antidote is that you release it. You forgive. The antidote for grudges is you say, God, I let them go. The antidote for guilt is you repent. The antidote is you say, God, I'm sorry. I've gone my own way. My heart is wicked within and it's pulling me to the things of this world. And God, I repent of it. Bring me back to you. A third thing, and we're gonna move on, that damages your soul. You got grudges, you got guilt, but a third thing, and boy, this is probably the area that has affected a lot of people this last year, and that is the grief we carry. Grief comes because of pain. Grief comes because of hurts. Grief comes be, because we lose something. Uh, uh, something has happened and there's a pain or a hurt that has happened to us and it burdens us and it weighs us down. We all understand grief. It's an emotion. It's a real emotion. It's not an emotion you can dismiss. We try to. We try to hide it because we're, we're told that we should be strong. We try to cover it up and act like nothing's wrong. But the reality is the pains and the hurts and the losses of life, it causes a grief. And if you don't learn how to receive healing from God, and David's gonna tell us in a moment how to, but if you don't learn how to step into the mercy and the love of God, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When you learn how to receive like that, it helps you to more quickly deal with the grief of your life. Hey, remember that grief isn't wrong. It's a natural emotion. When hurt and pain, when something happens, the natural emotion is you will have grief. What you've got to learn what to do with that grief is what is important. How does that grief weigh you down? What does it do to you? Are you releasing it to others? Are you releasing it to the Lord? You see, the reality is God says, I am your source. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. Can I hear an amen? The second thing that David goes on to talk about in this passage of scripture, if you'll look at verse three, he says, he restores my soul and he guides me. He guides me, underline it, in paths of righteousness for the Lord's sake. The second thing I want you to know about the Lord being your good shepherd is not only is he the source of everything you need, but secondly, he will lead you. He will be your guide. He will navigate for you. Most of us now, if you are going somewhere and you're driving and you have a smartphone, you're gonna put on your Google Maps or your maps and it's going to guide you. If you are going to see somebody, they'll say, send me your address or send me that, text me, I'll text you my address. 
Yesterday, Candy was going to meet me somewhere, and she said, send me the address. And I pinned her and, and sent her the address. Why? Because it's a navigation, and it begins to guide you. And God says, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your personal guide that will guide you no matter what you go through. Now, that's an assurance for me. When I look at things that are around and I don't know what to do, there's decisions to make, there's crossroads in life, is to know that God will guide me. I find myself, might be walking the dog, it might be sitting alone somewhere saying, God, I need your wisdom, I need your discernment, I need understanding. God, I want you to show me where to go and what to do. What's the right decision? What's the God decision? James says, when you need wisdom like that, you can ask and he will give. Well, that's what David says is that I will guide you. Now, sheep, he's remembering that sheep have a way. Remember, they're not very smart and they must be led. But because they're not very smart, many times that they would go astray. And so they would go on their own way. They would take the wrong path. They would go somewhere and they would get lost. Wrong decisions that we make in life get us lost, don't they? How many of us, if you could rewind the clock, there would be a few decisions that you would make a little bit differently. There's a few paths that you wouldn't go. There's a few things that you would change. Maybe it's a job, maybe it was a relationship, maybe it was something you did or decisions that you made. Most of us can have moments that we can stop and say, man, if I could do that one over again, I would make a different decision. Pastoring, I've learned that Too many Christ followers are making decisions and they're being led by things other than the Lord. The number one thing I see people making decisions on and and, and following is that they're being led instead by God, they're being led by the culture that we live in. They're being led by the values of this world, the, 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 the things of this world, the pleasures of this world. In fact, I love the way Paul says it over in Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse two in the living Bible, he says, do not copy. Now, first of all, copy here is don't follow, don't embrace, don't copy, don't be an imitation. The behaviors or values of this world, that's of our culture. You see, The world that we live in, the values of this world, there is a spirit and that spirit is of the enemy of your soul. So if you embrace these values, if you embrace this culture, instead of being led by God, then the reality is you will go astray. Look what he says. Don't copy the behaviors and values of this world. Instead, let God do what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Lord, help us to recognize the world that we live in, that which we are around daily, that which is influencing us and help us to see where God, it's getting us out of alignment to your will, your plan, your purpose, God's transformation that he desires to do in you and I is a transformation where the image of Christ and the nature of Christ is formed and fashioned within you. Can I hear a yes? That God is formed in you and fashioned in you. 
instead of the culture that we live in. People are being led by their friends. They're being led by circumstances and situations and feelings. So many things that's leading them. But David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. He leads me and he guides me. And we can say, yes, Lord, that is my prayer. He goes on in verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The third thing I want you to know is that God is the God of your valleys. Even though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me me. One of the things that so many are facing today as we walk through a year like this especially is they're walking through a year and they're walking through circumstances with a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. There's a lot of unknowns. Will I lose my job? Is this cancerous? What's going to happen to my kids? They're in a valley and that valley just feels so overwhelming. And David knew that God was the God of his valleys. What's a valley is a valley is between two high points, mountains. When we're in the valley, it's a low place between the mountains. David is remembering that God was there and God was in control even in the valleys. The reality is valleys are a part of life. We're all gonna walk through valleys. Everyone is going to face valleys. We're all going to, to see it. In fact, in, Bible, in the Bible, and man, this is a whole sermon of itself, the significant valleys in scripture that God would take his men and women through, the valleys of life, God says, I'm with you in your valley. You don't have to fear any evil. I am with you right there in that valley. He says, your rod and your staff, they what? They comfort me. Now, the thing about the rod and the staff was two different things. First of all, the staff was a tool. It was a tool for guiding the sheep and, and directing the sheep. Remember, sheep are not very smart. I thought about inviting someone up here to be a sheep, but yeah, I didn't think that would go over very well, so I'll use it on myself, right? The shepherd will guide and lead the sheep. It would direct them. They're wandering off. He can get them and can pull them back. He can pull you back and he can lead you back. He does it in care. He does it in compassion. He does it in grace, but he can pull you. It was a tool, a tool, write it down, for guiding and directing. So David is saying, you're the God in my valley. You lead me, you guide me, you direct me. And I don't know about you, but that's my prayer. Is God, I have a way of wandering off. There's times, God, that I don't know which way to go. Lead me, God, and guide me. I want to go that way, but God, I want you pulling me. I want you, whoa. God's staff never breaks. Woo. Cheap props. <laughs> I was so stiff necked, he was pulling me hard. <laughs> That was for me, that was not a joke. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, you so stiff neck, I gotta pull harder on you. <laughs> he's guiding, he's directing. Man, so many times, my prayer is God guide me. 
guide us, direct me. God, my will wants to go here. My desires wants to embrace this. Sometimes our desires can get out of control and God begins to guide us back. The rod, on the other hand, was for guarding and protecting. When something would come that he would have to fight off, he would guard and protect. It was like a stick, it was a club to fight off. It has power. And man, he guards your heart, he protects you and I. He is the shepherd and he is the one that will cover all of your needs. The fourth thing that we've got to understand about the good shepherd is that looking with me in verse five, you prepare, oh, I like this one. In fact, I'm gonna invite Pastor Kevin, our worship team, to come on back. You prepare a table. Say it with me, what? Oh, say it again. You prepare a table before me. You prepare a table Say it again, what? Before me, you prepare a table. Somebody at home, type it in. You prepare a table before me. I want you to get it before I finish it. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Don't forget there's a spiritual battle. Saint, I want you to know that there's a battle that's been raging. This last year, the enemy's been fighting. The world around you, the values and the cultures and the spirit of this world has been fighting. And here David is saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Man, your enemies, your enemies. Who's your enemy? That's somebody that's threatening your security. Enemy who's coming after you, the enemy who's trying to distract you, the enemies that's trying to discourage you, the enemy that's counts you out. I'm telling you, David says, no, no, no. God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. David says, and he knows it, that there's a spiritual battle. And I'm here to tell you that there is an enemy of your soul. Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill what? Well, he's trying to kill, first of all, your faith. How does he do it? He brings doubts. He brings questions. He's trying to, to kill the work of God in your life. And so he brings all of these things. Some of us, some of you that have walked with God for many years are walking through this last year and there's so many doubts that I'm bombarding you. Good friends of ours yesterday, two days ago, wrote us and texted us. They're pastors. They serve with us on, on the mission field. And their son has just said, I'm an atheist. I don't want you praying with my kids. I don't want you doing this. I don't want you doing that. Don't take my kids to church. You see, there's a, war, there's a warfare that's going on and the enemy is out to destroy, to kill your faith, to steal your joy and to destroy the testimony of your life. You have a sinful nature within that, that on top of that is, 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 is desiring the desires of this world. And those desires, if we, don't learn how to, if we don't learn how to discipline them, they run out of control. 
And that sinful nature leads us to a place where we begin to open up some doors in our life. And when you open up some doors and you step through that door, that unconfessed sin now becomes that guilt and it begins to hold you down. And the anointing that God wants to work through your life now is being sapped away. But David sees that you've prepared. You're gonna see me through it. You're gonna help me through it. You anoint my head with oil. When the sheep, would, would get caught in the thicket, the shepherd would come with the oil. A lot of different uh, meanings of the oil. But one thing that he would do is he would begin to massage that oil over the sheep to take the pain away. He says, my cup runs over. He would bring water to the sheep and he would water the sheep and the water is rolling over. You see, God is more than I need in my life gives abundance. He, he, he begins to pour out a blessing. He will meet all of my physical needs. And then lastly, he will meet all of my eternal needs. Look at verse six. He says this. He says, surely, say it, surely, surely goodness and mercy and love, goodness and mercy will follow me, surely, not maybe, not perhaps, but sure enough as he can be counted on. Jehovah Rohi, he is my shepherd, surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 145, 20, the Lord watches over all who love him. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. A shepherd would often have sheep dogs that would help them round up the sheep and, and guard them and guide them and lead them. Well, what David is saying is we got some sheep dogs and those sheep dogs are coming from the Lord and it's goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy will follow me, will pursue me, will be with me. God's goodness, God's grace, God's glory will be with me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Say it with me, forever and ever and ever. So here's the question. If God is your source of everything, if God is leading you, if God is the God with you in the valley, if God will meet your physical needs and your eternal needs, then my question is, what do you need that you don't already have and that he can't give to you? Because the Lord is your shepherd. He will meet all of your needs. Now, the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Many times the shepherds would be, they would be coming to a water hole with other shepherds at the same time and the sheep would begin to get all mixed together. And when it was time for the shepherd to leave, he would begin to call his sheep and the sheep know the voice and they begin to follow. If you go with us to Israel, we'll make a stop. It's my favorite, one of my favorite stops. It's off the path. It's not a part of the normal tour in Israel, but we'll go up the old Jericho road. It's a windy road, very small one lane road, and we're in a big old bus. 
In fact, you look down, there's a few cars, literally, there's a few cars down there. And so I like it because it keeps us praying <laughs> in the holy land because we're going around. Those have been there, you can picture it with me. We're going up the old Jericho Road and then we pull up and there's a monastery in the mountains across the way. And there's always the... Um, there's always the shepherd boys that'll come. They have sheep that are with them. They're, they're trying to sell different things to the tour bus group. And their sheep will come. And many times I've watched the shepherd begin to lead and he starts calling the sheep and the sheep start following. They know his voice. But what God is saying to you and I is if you know me, you'll know my voice and you will follow. When you hear his voice, you'll hear it and you'll begin to follow problem is too many are listening to voices other than the Lord today the problem is is there's many voices in the world and if we're not careful as believers we get deceived we get we get blinded and before it know it we're off a path not going anywhere that God would want us to go the reality for me is God teach me to hear your the still, small voice of the Lord. Let me hear it, oh God, I pray. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. If he's your shepherd, I'm here to tell you today, you're covered. Jehovah Rohi is your shepherd, and he's got you. In these next few moments... I'm gonna invite those that are in person to stand with me across the room. Those that are watching online, I want you to lean in. Let's stand across the room. And those that are watching online, we're gonna take a few moments. And in this next song, I just want you to recommit to the Lord. I want you to declare that he is your shepherd. I want you to begin to just let something well up within you that you know that he is your source. Recommit that he is going to lead you. If you're in the valley, begin to say, God, right now in my valley, oh God, I'm gonna trust you. He wants to meet your physical needs and there is an eternal purpose for each and every one of us. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.